Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. 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 There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we bring you a story by Dr. Colleen Arnold. Colleen Arnold is a physician and freelance writer in Lexington, Virginia. She has written for Insider, Wall Street Journal, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and a few others. She is a mom to three adult daughters and a grandma to a precious two-year-old. When she's not with patients or family, she's probably hiking with her dog, doing yoga, or camping in her minivan. You can find her on Facebook and on her website. Links to both will be in our show notes. The essay we're bringing you today is an amazing example of hot topic, cold prose, and also how to bring the reader in by writing in the present tense. It's super powerful. It's so well-written and amazing. You guys do not want to miss this story, so stay tuned. We'll be back with Colleen Arnold after the break. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class, kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. We're back. This is Andrea Askowitz and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Up next is Dr. Colleen Arnold reading her story, Just Another Day. I enter the tiny exam room, where only a month ago my patient Dick first mentioned a new cough. Now the oxygen cord hangs from his nose and snakes down to the huge tank on the floor beside him. He wears his pink shorts and flowery polo shirt, even though he won't be going to the golf course today. He carries a book under his arm, just in case I am behind schedule, and his usually tanned skin hangs from his gaunt face with a deathly pallor. He pushes himself up from the chair and gets short a breath from the exertion. I reach for him as his balance wobbles 
and he pulls me into a long, tight hug. I don't have much energy these days, he says. Good thing I've gotten so forgetful. Now I can read the books in my library all over again. I laugh at his joke, as always. His wife laughs too, like it's the first time she's ever heard this clever comment. They've been married for 57 years, and as she twirls the wedding ring on her finger, I sit down beside them and begin the conversation I dread. Within a few days of developing his cough, Dick went from hiking two miles a day on the golf course to barely being able to walk his dog around the block. We were convinced it was a simple case of bronchitis until an x-ray showed his lungs were filled with fluid and a faint mass was hiding in the lighting of his lungs. By then he was so short of breath that he was admitted to the hospital where the fluid was drained and the mass biopsied. We know now that he has stage four mesothelioma. It's a deadly cancer that worsens quickly and comes from asbestos exposure, like in the naval yard, where Dick served as an officer many years ago. Dick, you know this isn't a curable cancer, right? The chemo might help improve your breathing, but it might make the rest of you feel even worse. I know, Doc, he says gently. I'll let you know when I'm done. We talk about goals and expectations, about getting enough sleep and trying to drink plenty of water. I remind him that he may feel hungry for something specific one minute, only to be nauseated by the thought of it the next. I explain that his appetite is going to get worse and that nutrition shakes might help him keep up his energy, but that at some point, food just feeds the cancer. I tell him I'll call in a week to check on him. I squeeze his wife's hand as I stand to leave. The tears begin to gather in the corners of her eyes, and I depart quickly so that she won't see mine. I hurry to my office down the hall, close the door, and lean against it as the tears escape. The advice I give Dick and his wife is based not only on my professional experience, but my personal experience, too. Thoughts and memories pop into my head with vivid clarity. Doctors are supposed to be detached and objective. But I've been in Dick's wife's chair, and I remember every detail, each hopeful conversation and subsequent piece of bad news. Neil, this chemo regimen didn't really work, but there are others we can try. I remember my own husband's bad jokes, told when he barely had the breath to share them. As they wheeled him away to remove his brain lesion, he said, I need this like I need a hole in the head. I remember how one day we were laughing at life, and the next day we were crying at death. I remember saying, Neil, I can't do this without you. And I remember him saying, well, you don't get to choose. My eyes are closed as I stand alone in the silent office. It's been eight years since my husband died, and with yet another impending loss, grief resurrected itself long after I believed it was gone. Done. Finished. Dealt with. But there is no such thing as finished with grief. Unwelcome questions pop into my head. Should I have pushed a different chemotherapy? Fought for a spot in yet another drug trial? Or prayed harder for a miraculous cure? I'm a doctor and I couldn't even save my own husband. And then I hear the voice of Aaron Burr in Hamilton singing, death doesn't discriminate. It takes and it takes, and we keep living anyway. 
None of us are spared death or the experience of losing someone we love. We all grieve, and my version of living anyway is not defined by cures and positive outcomes, but by the hands I hold, the stories I listen to, and the tears I help wipe away. In a few short weeks, Dick's wife will need me even more than he does. So I sniffle a few last times and grab a tissue from my desk. I blow my nose, dry my eyes, and pack my grief back into the little place in my heart where it resides. It is not resolved. There is no rewarding remedy. But the next patient is waiting in another room. So I open my office door and head back down the hall. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, uh, her writing is um, okay. I don't know if we've talked about this in a long time, but hot topic, cold prose. I feel like this is really a great example of that. We get emotion, but what she's doing is she's giving us the facts, just cold, hard facts. Boom, boom, boom. And then we take a step out. She goes into her office, shuts the door, and she really gets into it. Then she goes back out into the real world and has to just deal with life. So yeah, super powerful. Yeah. I didn't think of it in terms of hot topic, cold prose, but I see what you mean because it's so, it's sparse. It's not like she doesn't overstate. She just says it like it is. But sometimes the essays are woven with like a personal story and then the situation at hand. But this one, I felt like we get the entire situation before we really know that the same, she was in the same situation. We just were getting like the point of view of a doctor, which is cool, super cool. But then we realize, uh oh, there's a real personal side. And that just that whole part about grief, you know, which of course resonated for me, a lot, that grief resurrects itself long after we believe it's gone. Yeah, I found that personally over and over and over again. It just doesn't go. But how is she dealing with it? And she shows us. I love what you just said about how the story took a turn. And um, it was kind of surprising. And I don't know, we, I think we talk a lot about um, sort of setting up, like planting seeds at the beginning. But I'm really glad that she didn't because we were just there with her. And I felt her emotion. I felt her emotional connection to Dick and his wife. Yeah, same. Anyway. Yeah. Like they were, he hugged her. I know. It was so beautiful. Like that detail made me love her, love him, love them. I got a sense of who they were to each other. I don't know that I've ever hugged a doctor. You know what I mean? So they were really close. Um, And then, yeah. And then it's kind of a surprise that she had to deal with the same thing. My favorite part is what she's come to tell us. And that is this part at this, the second to last paragraph. She says, my version of living anyway is not defined by cures and positive outcomes, but by the hands I hold, the stories I listen to and the tears I help wipe away. 
in a few short weeks, Dick's wife will need me even more than he does. It's amazing. And you know what? A hundred percent, but we get it and we feel it so intensely because in the beginning, she shows us that she does that. So that's why we believe her and we feel it. And then the very last line is is really like that step into the sunset kind of device. I don't mean it to sound like it's a device, but she open, I open my office door and head back down the hall. She shows us that she's about to go do her work. Yeah. I love her. Another thing I noticed that I thought was so effective is the use of the present tense. Yeah. Right from the very yeah, beginning. 100%. I entered the tiny exam room where only a month ago, my patient Dick first mentioned a new cough. When it's the present tense, it's so immediate. Like we're there with her in this moment. Like everything that happens, happens to her in real time, it seems. And so we're experiencing it in real time. It's not Mm -hmm. always easy to do because our brains kind of go back. Like we're used to, I entered the room, but she has this way of just being super front and center with her emotions and, and with the details of the story, all of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm especially drawn <sighs> into the doctor process, the the whole like how a person deals with this every day and the pain of it is uh, is harsh and it's never resolved. Grief, there's no rewarding remedy. I mean, it's it's really, it needs to be said over and over again because I think people who haven't gone through it really do not understand and I think she does such a great job of explaining without explaining, you know, she shows us. I think the um, the reason that we um, on Writing Class Radio or we as writers want to read stories like this, well, for me, is just so that not not necessarily for the people who haven't been through it, but for the people who have, like to understand, just to feel connected to this woman in this way, the way that you do, mm-hmm. the way that you totally get it. And to be able to write their own stories. There's so many people out there that this writing about it and, and really diving into to the emotions, the feelings and everything really is helpful. Obviously, it doesn't resolve it, but it does help a little bit. Right, for her. The line, um, I learned something. The food just feeds the cancer. I was like, fuck, what? I was thinking that too. I know, what? Was she talking about like the sugar? Because I had heard that about cancer, but food... I guess at some point, the kind stage four metatheliazonia. Mesothelioma. Mesothelioma. Bad. And maybe that, yeah, it's maybe that particular kind, or maybe all, I don't know, but I'd never heard that and I didn't know that. And it's just like, wow, God damn it. This guy was doomed. Just heartbreaking. Yeah. And then she just so seamlessly, like, I've seen this not only professionally, but personally. And I've been in Dick's wife's chair. <sighs> I love this doctor. Me too. So much. So much. Yeah. I mean, I'm so moved by it. And I've read it a bunch of times. And oh, so excellent, excellent story. Well, thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Colleen Arnold, for sharing your story with us. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer. And me, Andrea Askowitz. Audio production by Matt Kundal, Evan Serminski, Chloe Emon Lane, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. 
theme music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our writing community by following us on Patreon. If you want to write with us every week, you can join our first draft weekly writers groups. You have the option to join Allison on Tuesdays, noon to one Eastern time. And or because you can join both Thursdays with Eduardo Wink from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're a business owner, a community activist, a group that needs healing, an entrepreneur, anything like that, and you want to help your team write better, check out all of our classes on our website, writingclassradio.com. Join the community that comes together for instruction and excuse to write and the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio or sign up on our website. You can also find links to our free Zoom. I'm sorry. You can also find free Zoom links to our first draft writing group on Instagram in our bio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.